What is going on, Rush Nation? Welcome back to week seven's edition of Fast Action Friday. Slightly later than usual, it is 9pm now, and tonight we do have Pitsy missing, unfortunately, but I am delighted to be joined by Rob. What is going on, mate? Yeah, very well. You you join us from a very wet and windy northeast of England. I think Durham is probably going to get blown away in the next half an hour. It's just picking up outside. Um, so I apologise for any you know sudden interruption if our roof gets torn off. We'll we'll try and keep the broadcast going as long as we can. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Pitsy is living his best life in Leeds. He is decided to turn week seven into week S Club seven. So we'll let, we'll let him enjoy the fun and we'll take the reins for this one. What about yourself? Yeah, he is absolutely living his best life. From the picture, he looks like he is right, almost on stage with them, actually. So, uh, yeah, fair play to him. But, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, ready to chop it up again. It's Friday evening, man. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Um, shall we get into Thursday Night Throwback, shall we? Let's kick it off. Let's do it. The Jacksonville Jaguars travelled to the Caesars Superdome to kick off Week 7 against the New Orleans Saints. A fourth-quarter rally from the home side, tying it up at 24 apiece, wasn't enough as Trevor Lawrence pinged a 44-yard touchdown pass to Christian Kirk to take the lead with only three minutes left on the clock, leaving Louisiana with a dub in the end. Yeah, and um, as soon as that touchdown went in, based upon what what we'd seen in the game, there wasn't really much that the Saints could have done about that. Um, there were pros and cons to both Derek Carr and Tilo in this game. Carr threw a lot more. I think it was about 55 attempts, 33 completions, uh, and got nearly 100 yards more in the passing yards based to T- uh, um, compared to Tilo. But he also threw that interception, which got run back in for six Jacksonville points. That was the, the key difference between the two teams. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, he got more carries, more yards on the ground, which was which was actually a promising development in itself, considering expect him uh, a to start this game and b to be as mobile uh, as he was um, with the, you know the issues around his legs and around his ankle. Uh, both threw a touchdown. Carr got that two point conversion. Um, game wise, like I said, I, I believe that Lawrence was a much better quarterback here. Um, for all the drives that Carr and the Saints got, and they had quite a lot, uh, there was not a whole lot of cut to their offense. A lot of going front and forth down, which I think kind of summed up the three plays before that. They very small, short yardage game. You know, a lot of broken up passes. The Jacksonville defense very well. I mean. I've read, I didn't notice it myself and I've not had time to go back, but there was a potential like um, offsides on the touchdown pass at the end. I'm not entirely sure, but Trevor Lawrence, it almost feels like we haven't seen his best yet, but he's still coming into it and he's still very good as it is. On offense in general, it seemed for the Saints, it was the Alvin Kamara show last night a whopping 12 receptions for 91 yards as well. 17 carries for 62 yards with Taysom Hill vulturing the rushing touchdown. Michael Thomas also caught a touchdown last night from Derek Carr. Um, seven catches again from Chris Alave on a whopping 15 targets. Like you uh, says he threw 55 times and you see him why now people, I think um, Kamara had 13 targets or something like that, but 
Alave's reached double-figure targets in five of his seven appearances this season, but he's yet to top 20 PPR points so far. But it's almost like you just feel that monster week is looming. On to the Jags. Travis Etienne, he's on a hot streak of late, finishing as the RB1 in week five, RB2 last week. Didn't see as many touches last night, but punched home two scores on the ground for the third week in succession. Um, Christian Kirk had the all-important game-winning touchdown and also racked up 90 yards on the night on a perfect six-for-six targets to receptions. Outside those two, though, there's not much else other than Evan Engram. He see the most targets on the team with seven. Jamal Agnew, he joined Christian Kirk with six. ETNC five targets as well, and all of them exceeded Calvin Ridley's four targets on the night. He only reeled in one of those, so it's. I mean, I was one of them, but it's a bit of a worrying time for Calvin Ridley managers, I think. Yeah, um, and even probably even worse in standard leagues as well, where the PPR receptions they don't count. You know, I think he got five yards. I think he only got five yards. Yeah, so, you know, a very very small amount. Um, so 0.5 fantasy points if you win a standard league, which unfortunately I did have him in one of my lineups for that. Um, yeah, you, you've got to temper expectations here. Like they they pay Christian Kirk big money. You know, Zay Jones is is a decent player. Like and and he did get a volume when he was fit. I think a lot of people just saw the name, saw like the big comeback, and was like, yeah, we're going to invest in Calvin Ridley and potentially probably a bit too early in drafts. But I like, yeah, I like a, I like a lot of those players. You know, Jacksonville have got a really rounded offense at the moment. You know, Etienne is doing the business in a lot of a lot of best ball leagues, um, not just in um, you know roster roster setting leagues. Um, and I, I I do question the the quality of all those targets for Chris Olave. Um, watching watching the game. Derek High he just snatches, he snatches at opportunities and whether or not, you know, um the the receivers are in the right positions for it, uh, or the, the the coverage is too good. Um I think he's probably overthinking a lot of these targets and uh, you know, Chris Alavi is getting covered and you know, unfortunately it's it's not turning out to be as high a production as you would want. As seven catches is still pretty pretty damn good, you know, but uh, like I said, there's there's a bit of work to do. I would say on the quarterback side before you know Alave can really benefit from from a monster week. Um, defensive talk: the Saints did a strong job early on. They got a muffed punt and they turned they turned over on downs as well for a, a few times, which is how the the Saints ended up getting a lot of drives. Uh, I think the big standout play here was that pick six. I think there was there's no way around it. It was a sloppy throw. It rebounded off a player, you know, and just ended up in the Jags' hands and back in the Saints' end zone. I think. Um, that that touchdown was the difference between the two teams at the end of the day. That that's exactly the scoreline that made the difference. Then you add on to the sack, which was from uh, a recovered car fumbled the ball. It was recovered by the uh, offense with quite uh, quite a nice sliding move from one of those offensive linemen to to pick it up. Um, but overall, a really good outing for the Jags defense. Yeah, they they are showing up a lot more as well, especially the last couple of weeks. They it's almost like they, they felt more at home in London than they have done in Jacksonville. Uh, like it's the last yeah. few weeks, they have really been piling it on both sides of the ball. Um, Josh Allen has been a monster the last few weeks on defense as well. 
ETM three weeks on the trot with two rushing touchdowns. So it is both sides of the mm-hmm. ball. But shall we crack on with the injury report? Yeah, let's do it. So we had a first of the many returns from injured reserve this season. Jamal Williams was back last night. He was in a limited fashion, um, you know, understandable. He's had four weeks off and Alvin Kamara has come back in. Um, it was nice to see him back on the on the team, back in action. Um, some players who have kind of gone the other way and are now already ruled out for week seven, Jimmy Garoppolo. He has been ruled out with the back injury. Um, so that could be uh, Aiden O'Connell again or Brian Hoyer. Yeah, either way, it's a tough match to go into. Um, potentially quite a boring match as well, but with the two with the two sides. Um, good news for Kyler Murray. Uh, rosters, he's back in practice as well, so that the window could be open for him to return. Uh, which is exciting. Um, questionable. Why would they would want to bring him back in the middle of the season if they were if they were going for someone in the in the draft? But you know, Cardinals will Cardinal. Um, Devonta Smith has been limited with a hamstring as well. There have been rumours of him going onto IR as well, so um, that could potentially explain the Julio Jones signing, especially with a banged up Dallas Goddard as well. He was in limited practice this week, uh, so two players in that Eagles offense to keep an eye on, uh, and potentially one who may come in and and smash it. But we shall see. Uh, DK Metcalf was a non-participant on Wednesday and on Thursday. Um, it's two games in a row that the wide receiver has been missing from practice. Tyler Lockett has been practicing in a limited capacity, so he could be good to go. But yeah, Metcalf is the one to watch here. That could be GSN getting some more snaps and some more opportunities, and maybe even preseason darling Jake Bobo. Yeah, Jake Bobo. He showed up at the end of last week a couple of times. He had a couple of catches there, but. It's, it's a minefield at running back with six teams on a bye in week seven. And then you've got Kieran Williams with his ankle already ruled out for the Rams. He was a favourable pickup off the waiver wire a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he's out. The, the Detroit duo of David Montgomery with his rib injury and Jameer Gibbs with the hamstring, they could both miss week seven. Uh we don't really know what's happening. Not too much has been said about that. Gibbs is probably more likely to go than Monty, I reckon. But And then the, the man, the myth, the legend, CMC, he's obviously dealing with that oblique injury, leaving the week six loss to the Browns early. Um, the rib injury, was that was fine. It wasn't really an injury. He's okay that way. He's considered day-to-day as well as Debo Samuel. Um, Monday night football, so they have got a little bit longer to return, but Elijah Mitchell has missed multiple games this week, so we could see Jordan Mason, but Mitchell is not on the injury report for the first time this season, so he could potentially step into the CMC shoes and, well, cleats, they're massive cleats to fill, aren't they? But Aaron Jones, another limited participant this week, it's a rough week for running backs. Certainly is. Um, we've actually had some breaking news come through. Uh, both um, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. You know, funny enough, we just mentioned them. They have been reverted to the healthy status, so they could be be good to go. Um, and then there's also Jameer Gibbs. He's also been changed to healthy as well. So that's three players we've literally just spoken about being limited, actually having their statuses revert to healthy. So three players uh, with wheels up there. Well, yeah. 
that that would have made our job a lot easier a couple of minutes ago. But sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Daniel Jones remains limited in practice with that neck injury. He missed week six, so Tyrod Taylor could get another start there. And Justin Fields is doubtful. I've not seen if he's been fully disclosed as out yet, but he had the dislocated thumb. Um, mm. Tight ends, Hunter Henry missed practice Thursday. Sam Laporte has been limited this week, another one for Detroit. Um, so we could see an uptick for Mike Gasicki for the Patriots if um, Hunter Henry was to miss, especially with Juju mm. also being limited this week. Pat Frymuth, he has been limited, but will probably play this week. So that's good news for Kenny Pickett and any Steelers fans and any fantasy manager there, especially with Deontay Johnson still on IR. Yeah, he's also predicted to come back though. So um, again, another another team to watch out for. Yeah. I think if if they did bring Deontay back and they they activated him, that would really change the makeup of this offense. Like they they need to get something going, uh, and Deontay could be the guy. Yeah, he's an he's another volume hog, like we were saying about Alave with fifteen targets. Uh, Johnson's one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. The third segment we have, as usual, it is weak points. Weakest against the quarterback this week is the Los Angeles Chargers, allowing twenty two point three points per game. They're at the Chiefs, and there's probably no better quarterback to face than Patrick Mahomes, so he should have a Patrick Mahomes kind of week, I'd expect. In second, the Jaguars, 22.1. They was at the Saints last night. Derek Carr scored 18.4 points, probably one of his better outings for the season. And in third, the team that is just bad at everything, the Denver Broncos, 21.5. They face Jordan Love's Green Bay Packers this week. Yeah, I think all those Packers fans are hoping that they get the right version of Jordan Love for this game. Rather than a three-interception one, they get a three-touchdown one. Mm. Um, the, the points are there to back it up, though. So, you know, if the Broncos can let those points go, then Jordan Love can do pretty well this week. Uh, week is against running backs. You know, the Broncos are at the top of this list as well. Um, 35.9 points conceded to the position. Aaron Jones has been limited this week, um, so keep an eye on his status. If he's good to go, then that's going to be perfect for any pass-catching side of the ball. Um, they have also signed James Robinson um, to the squad as well. So if Jones doesn't go, I would expect a combination here of uh, Robinson and and, and uh, Dylan, AJ Dillon in this backfield um, carving up the Denver rush defense, uh, the running defense. Second on the list, the Carolina Panthers, um, 31.5 fantasy points a game. They're on a bye week, so we can move straight over to the Arizona Cardinals, who are third on this list. 25.6 points conceded to the position on average. Huge amount of points there. Um, and potentially only one running back in this backfield who may come up against him. That is Kenneth Walker. He has been RB10 on the season currently. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is banged up, so this is a big divisional matchup, perfect for KW3 here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kenneth Walker's been running a riot, even with Charbonnet there. So if he if he gets the full workload himself, it's wheels up for me. But weakest against wide receivers. We, we have a joint first on this one, Rob. I think this is a first as long as I've been involved anyway. 
we'll start off with the Chargers again because they was on the list already. They're at the Chiefs, allowing 38 points a game. Now, in terms of wide receivers for the Chiefs, maybe Rashi Rice could lead the line or mm-hmm. McCall Hardman's just come back via trade. But it's the Chiefs' wide receivers don't um, excite me so much now. Tyreek ain't there no more. But mm-hmm. their counterpart, also joint first, allowing 38 points, is the Seahawks. And they're facing Arizona Cardinals. Um, so you got the rookie, Michael Wilson. He's had a great week. Uh, Hollywood Brown could turn up at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Josh Dobbs leading the line. It could all go very, very badly as well. But in third, the commanders allowing still, it's a big 35.9. They're at the Giants. Now, the commanders, they may well not be top three next week because the Giants do not know who to throw to, when to throw to them or anything like that. So the commanders may well not be in the top three next week. We'll see. We'll come on to Flex of the Week in a little bit. Um, <laughs> just a bit of a spoiler there. Uh, weakest against tight ends. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are at the top of this list. Now, whether or not this is... I don't believe this was based upon Thursday night. I think this was based upon what I wrote down on Wednesday. They played the Saints last night, and uh, we are counting Hill as a tight end because he does play at the position. He scored 16.8 points last night, and Murrow scored, uh, well, he caught three balls for 30-odd yards, so that's another little icing on the top of that big Taysom Hill cake. Um, they may well be staying at the top of this list next week after that outing. Uh, the... The Denver Broncos, here, here again on this <laughs> second, uh, 13.7 points conceded to tight ends. Um, Luke Musgrave, obviously off on a bye week last week. He is back uh, this week and has been becoming a bit of a target for Jordan Love. Uh, not as much yeah. as some of the wide receivers, but the matchup suits here. Um, we could see Luke Musgrave doing fairly well against the Broncos. And then finishing off this list is the Jets. They are on a bye week this week. That was 13.2 points to the position. And we move in to the final segment of the show, and it is Flex of the Week. So this was a bit of a contentious one. I think this is probably one of the first times we've ever had it where the players have been that close together and have been ahead of each other in different point scoring leagues that uh i did i did initially concede to pitsy for this one um so we had some leagues scoring ty j spears higher than tyler conklin and some leagues had tyler conklin scoring more than ty j spears um lewis i'll give you the final say in this what do you think should we split the point now, did any leagues have Logan Thomas scoring higher than either of them? Sadly, not. No. No. Right. So <laughs> I, I think I, I think I think it's a draw. Then we'll we'll go for a draw. Okay. Yeah. So um, with that split point, uh, Lewis, you are currently one for three. Uh, I am two and a half for five, and Pitsy is ahead at two and a half for four. Um, Pitsy isn't here this week, so we both have a chance to catch up. Um, so, Lewis, I'll let you go first. Who is your flex of the week this week? 
now this is a week and some people might say this is a little bit safe given the situation and whatever else but i'm going josh palmer for the chargers now they head to arrowhead arguably the most daunting stadium in the whole of the nfl to go into but it's also a pivotal point of the chargers season it's the second highest over under in vegas being set at 48 currently kellen moore is going to have to unleash herbert through the air and Although the Chiefs are pretty good against wide receivers and the quarterback position for fantasy football, they cannot risk Keenan Allen being open at all on Sunday night. We all seen the 20 targets with the 18 catches, 200 plus yards in week three against the Vikings. That was his second wide receiver one overall finish in as many weeks as well. Josh Palmer has seen a very nice 22 targets in his last three outings and eclipsing 60 yards in all three of those as the Chargers wide receiver too. Now, if we see a shootout or the Chargers are behind, it could, and I've made it big and bold and massive on our show notes, it could be Palmer's best ever week in fantasy football. Yeah, I think I think you could be right. Um, he's certainly taken advantage of Mike Williams' being out and Herbert has fallen to a really good rhythm with him. Um and they needed someone. They needed someone to come in. Yeah. Um these these last few games that between the Chargers and the Chiefs they have been big shootouts. I think we're talking about 34 28. We're talking about, you know, numbers up there. I you know there's potential here that that 48 you could be three quarters of the way there with one team. Um yeah. you know a, a 36 12 would do it here. Uh, and that you know either team yeah. has the potential to do that. So yeah, I like Josh Palmer here, and I'm hoping. Obviously, I'm hoping he's for, <laughs> for a good game. But the player that I have chosen again, a bit of a risk. You did talk about them a bit further up. We had um, the Commanders third to conceding fantasy points. They're up against the Giants, and one player that has been getting a lot of volume out of the slot for the Giants is Wondell Robinson. Uh, we've seen a really good floor. It's been six receptions, five receptions, four receptions, uh, eight receptions on eight targets last week. Um, very much a good rapport being built with Tyrod Taylor, who we know is starting this week. So that's looking good there. It fits in with the giant short-range narrative as well because they, they don't pass far. And if Wondell's just coming out, getting those eight yards, nine yards, that builds up a good you know, bank of yards with, with these receptions and the return of Saquon Barkley I think that's important as well because that's going to be focusing more on the run game that could give some more space behind that that defensive line for Wondell to sneak into and, and open up that backfield so uh, Wondell Robinson is my pick here Yeah and I, and I do really get it out of all of them but it seems like they've got a million slot receivers plus Darren Waller but Wondell Robinson did really excite me as a rookie before obviously he went down injured and he he was starting to come into his own a little bit and it, it's almost like picking the best from a I wouldn't say a bad bunch but a not very good bunch and someone's got to get some targets there so why not Wondell Robinson yeah I believe it exactly yeah maybe a bit more of a deep dive this one I imagine there'd be other players that we could have picked but with it being such a, a narrow week and a lot of injuries out there. Um, I think this truly is a flex play. You, you may even consider putting Josh Palmer in as one of your wide receivers this week, but I, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it because, you know, ordinarily he would be a flex play. P potentially, yeah. I mean, um, 
I actually had a little start-sit decision on my own in one league where it, I was either going to mm. flex Josh Palmer or KJ Osborne. And I've, I've gone Palmer at the moment because mm. of the matchup. And like yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of like my, my wide receiver five and six, both both kind of 5A and 5B really because, you know, mm. They're, they're both worthy of a, a spot at the moment with an injury in front of them and things like that. But it's a, it'll be an interesting week yet again, no doubt. I think so. I think a lot of people will have been scouring the waiver wire and mm. bringing their reserves in for this this week with so many teams out. Six weeks, six teams out in total, I believe. Um, yeah. Just try and set a lineup. I think that, <laughs> that's a key here. The final question for you, Rob. And this one's off the cuff here. Have you put any bids in for Daryl Henderson in any league? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, not just a roster clog, in my opinion. Um, I've got him in quite a few dynasty leagues. Um, just because I, c- I, c- I can see the familiarity with the play scheme. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean McVeigh's used him before. I, I, I feel like it's not been too long since he was match fit. Um, so it shouldn't take him too long to come back in. Um, and the Rams like to, the Rams do like to run the ball um, if they get the right player. So let, let's just let's just hope they can combine all those things together and give Darrell Henderson the, the time he deserves. Hopefully, not just the three three carries for eight yards stat line, like, as was mentioned before. <laughs> Which is entirely possible, but that's why we love this game. But. Until week eight, everybody, thank you for joining us. And Rob, I'll see you soon. And everyone else, keep rushing.